This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next, conversations on human rights with Speak Up, Korerotia, here on Plains FM. Eina mana, eina reo, eina hoe fa, tena koto katoa, no mai ki tene hotaka. Speak up, Korerotia. Tune in as our guests speak up, sharing their unique and powerful experiences and opinions. And may you also be inspired to speak up when the moment's right. Ko speak up Korerotia tene, ko sale kaltana ho. I'm really excited about today's topic. Christmas is approaching and with it, the joy and the goodwill and the family times, the whanau times, all the great things that happen with Christmas. But at the same time, we all know that Christmas can bring pressures and stresses as well, Um, not least in terms of the finances and the financial side of buying presents for everybody, buying food for everybody, and also that pressure of having to see people maybe that you you don't necessarily want to catch up with all the time, Um, all that kind of family time, uh, having to prepare everything, looking beautifully, all these sorts of things that can add stress to people's lives. And it's shown in research that Christmas can be very stressful for some people. So today we're going to be thinking about how we might relieve at least one element of this stress and this pressure. And this is through conscious gift giving. How is it that we can amend, adapt, our gift-giving practices to make ourselves feel better and also benefit the environment at the same time. This is something that I'm really passionate about, so I'm super excited about today's show. What we're going to be thinking about is three different ways, I think, that we can reframe gift-giving. One is if you're going to be buying items, how can you buy items that are both environmentally and socially conscious? Also, we're going to be thinking about presents that need not necessarily be bought, and these might be presents that are upcycled or recycled or re-gifted or whatever you want to do. Um, That might be, for example, plants or making something homemade, these sorts of things. And the other one we're going to be thinking about is gifts that aren't necessarily tangible objects, but uh, might be an experience or a donation or a sponsorship, these sorts of things. We've got three guests with us today and they'll all bring different perspectives to this. You all sort of fall into that first category in many ways, gifts that you can purchase but that are environmentally and socially conscious, but I'm sure we've got heaps to talk about in the other sense as well. I'd love to hear from you please a little bit about yourselves um, and about your organisations as well. Helen, you're with me in the studio, so we'll Mm -hmm. start with you today. Uh, thanks for having us in today. My name is Helen Townsend. I'm co-founder of Sustained Fun, which is a toy company that focuses on um, developing toys that reduce rubbish, encourage love for the environment, and um, address climate anxiety in kids. Our first product that we released last year is EcoSplat reusable water balloons, which provide um, kids endless water fights because you can keep reusing them with no rubbish to pick up. Very cool. And I hear about it all the time. So I'm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping it's been really successful. Yeah. Emma, how about you? Yeah, so my name's Emma, and I'm the director of Waste Free Celebrations. And I started two years ago 
just making reusable gift bags out of Christmas fabric to get rid of the wrapping paper. And it it wasn't a, a conscious decision to start a business. I'd just been using bags for years because with five kids, all the wrapping just did my head in and the rubbish just did my head in. And then in 2020, when, you know, it was COVID and we we're living in Wanaka and my husband lost his job and I was jobless. So I don't know, why don't we just make bags and sell them at the local Wanaka market? And I launched, you know, the world's worst website just for friends and family to order them. But it somehow went viral and ended up hiring, I think it was about 12 women over the space of two weeks to try and meet the demand. I I didn't even set inventory on my website because I thought no one will buy them. So (laughs) what happens when you don't set inventory, it just keeps selling. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I have to actually now sell all these. And I realized then that there there was actually a market for this. And then it, it kind of just grew from there. Two things about, as you say, gift giving and Christmas, I think that makes it particularly special is that firstly, it's tradition. And we hold our traditions extremely closely. And letting go of of favoured, loved traditions is very, very hard. So the Grinches who just say, oh, stop buying gifts and just don't have Christmas, you know, I just, I completely do not identify with that. And I do think they're a minority and it's not a view that I agree with at all because I love to preserve tradition but also gift giving is one of the five love languages to give a gift or to receive a gift is how you say I love you so to simply cancel Christmas and cancel giving of a gift also doesn't work because for some people it's a very special memento and and, um, expression of of how much you love someone so with both of those things in mind it's just a matter of well how do we do it better So we've got the wrapping and the gift tags and the tissue to keep it environmentally sound. And then, you know, what you put in that gift also needs to be carefully curated in terms of its footprint. I want to keep the joy and tradition alive. Just do it better. Yep, that sounds a great motto. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, we've got Sarah. My name's Sarah Kelleher and I work for Trade Aid. Um, I'm the communications manager at Trade Aid. And one of the key things that is that I do is campaigns that educate New Zealanders on trade justice issues. I also do campaigns that are really focused in on our values as a brand. So recent campaigns that we've done is a modern slavery campaign where we've um, petitioned alongside World Vision to bring in modern slavery legislation into New Zealand. I also do things like International Women's Day or more recently a collaboration that we did with Garden to Table called We Not For Profit um, here in New Zealand. And Trade Aid, if you don't know who we are, uh, is a social enterprise that was set up in 1973 by a group of activists. Essentially what it is that we do is educate on trade justice and, and social justice issues, but also we aim to create a model of trade that is more fair for everyone in that relationship. Equity is really at the heart of what it is that we do. A lot of trading models, you know, um, the, the people at the end aren't necessarily thought about or valued as much as they should be. And so um, at Trade Aid, we really try to create this more of equitable relationship that kind of benefits everyone. Sounds great. And you have some amazing, cute and well-crafted goods on offer as well. Yes. Night, 
seen as we get into this conversation today why are we talking about this issue and we've already touched on the fact that Christmas has a lot of traditions around it and gift giving is one of them and a lot of people hold that tradition very dear but I guess on the other side of it there's a lot of waste that's produced around Christmas I I saw somewhere that it's 30% more waste around Christmas than throughout the rest of the year and that's presumably largely to do with food waste but also wrapping waste for example packaging Um, I was going to say all the packaging that comes with the toys and whatnot. Yep. It would be great to hear about what is it that we are talking about today and and why. And this might be a good opportunity to introduce um, World Sustainable Toy Day as well. Yes. The toy industry is 
a pretty big player when it comes to um, Christmas, obviously, but also a big contributor to climate change and waste. So the toy industry is actually the most plastic-intensive industry in the world, which means that for every million dollars of revenue, 40 tonnes of plastic is created, and this is the highest out of any other industry, and this is because um, 90% of toys are made from plastic. And because of toy safety standards, which obviously are really good, it's quite hard to make toys from recycled plastic. Um, Also, toys are often got lots of components that are joined together and are hard to come apart because you don't want them breaking and kids eating them. So this means that most toys are made from virgin plastic and most toys are not recycled. There's a stat that says 80% of toys end up in landfill, but Actually, they all end up in landfill at some point. So whether you reuse them or you give them away, you give them to the op shop, you're delaying the end of their life. <laughs> and the toy industry is built on a model, a linear model, um, not a circular model. And it's becoming more built on toys that are cheap and disposable. And so this is obviously not very good for people's budgets, but also uh, it's terrible for the environment. So at Sustain Fund, we recently founded a World Sustainable Toy Day, which is to be held this year on November the 18th. And World Sustainable Toy Day is a day that can celebrate sustainable toys. Uh, We can celebrate what is happening to make the toy industry more sustainable. We can also highlight the fact that at the moment, the toy industry is not moving very fast towards sustainability. So if you want to know more about World Sustainable Toy Day, you can um, look on the website and there's a bunch of activities there for kids to introduce kids to the concept of sustainability in toys without being the fun police. So, for example, where there's a activity where kids can go around their room and find the most eco-friendly toys in the way that the toy they play with the most or the toy they've had for the longest or the toy that has been repaired, those kind of things. So it's not like finger-wagging and making kids feel bad about toys. It's just just fun activities, really. I saw some nice examples on the website of people who were sending in photos of dolls, for example, that had been passed down through the generations. That's sort of, that's sort of what you're getting at, isn't it? That, that toys can have a life beyond a child. Yeah, it's thinking about like when you buy toys... For Christmas, what are you going to buy that's going to still be fun after Boxing Day? And it really is after Boxing Day. So like 30% of toys that are given on Christmas are not at all interesting to kids at the end of January. We're buying a lot of stuff that kids aren't even wanting to play with. So thinking about toys that maybe you can play with with other members of the family, you know, because things like, I mean, we've got a Monopoly set that we've had since I was a kid, um, still being played with. Things that get kids outside and they can play with a toy in different ways, so it's not just a one way of playing with a toy. All of those things can mean that the toy is played for for longer. So interesting as well for, like, I guess, consumers or people who are having to make choices at Christmas time, parents and grandparents and Fano, you know, when you're saying that stat around how many products are actually kind of sustainable, like mostly it's plastic <laughs> and things like that, that even the act of going into the store and trying to purchase things that you think will have that element to it 
could even be a challenge. Oh yeah, it's super hard. <laughs> I'm not, mm. I'm not well, saying it's easy. <laughs> it's so hard. I have used some of those tips that you have suggested, which is like things that family can do together. You know that it's going to have a long lifespan, like mm. games, and that it might you know carry on across the generations. Yeah, it is tricky. Yeah, it is. It is really hard, and um, I mean that's why we're doing what we're doing with Sustained Fun is so that when we produce a toy, we're trying to produce other things around it that that mean that you can play with it for longer. So yeah. like for the EcoSplat reusable water balloons, you can use them as a water fight, but you can also use them dry in the winter and you can use them for painting and you can use them for like a bunch of other stuff. Sensory. Yes, sensory. You can play with them in the bath. You can Little kids can clean the car with them like... We don't want to just make toys that have one purpose, you know. That's why I find costumes and dress-up are fantastic because it creates imaginative play. You know, they do sort of hand-me-down and you can use them in many different settings. And Mm. I don't know, just with my own kids, I've noticed that they had a much longer life than a particular toy, particularly trendy toys that are in and trendy. And then, you know, your kids collect them and then, they may still enjoy them, but because they're no longer trendy, they're like, well, I can't play with those anymore. And, you know, just stop the trend that I must have what's in, that I must have what all the other kids have, you know, that mentality as well. I think we've got to nip that in the butt and just say you don't actually have to have what all the other kids have. Sometimes it, maybe you do have to be the fun police, but there are sometimes we do just have to put our foot down and say, it's just no, sorry, kids, but no. I suppose it depends on the age group that you're working with but I think kids are savvy you know like if you actually explain the big picture and you give them some insight into some of these elements that we are thinking about as parents or whanau or whatever they do get it you know like how you were saying before Helen about you know that sort of educational piece of going into you know your room and looking at what one's eco or not I mean I feel like if you bring that lens into it too, I think even if it doesn't feel like it's making a difference, because, you know, they might just want the novelty LOL doll or whatever it's called. I reckon long term it would if you bring in that educational piece around like climate change or sustainability, being environmentally aware. I think also uh, setting expectations early about the number of presents that your family gives you don't want to get into a situation where you have to give more and more <laughs> presents yeah. every year. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just not 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 plugging my own business, but I will. But that's what we love about the sets of gift bags that we've got, and a lot of mothers have commented on this that if they buy the six pack or the ten pack, and and that's it, and each kid gets their own fabric, and mm. a lot of the mums even take them shopping. So once they're shopping, they'll put the literally what they've bought into the bag. When they get home, it's like, well, the bags are full. I'm done. I don't need to keep buying. I don't need to wonder, have I got the same for Bob as I have for Sue? And it sets a limit that um, this is what you get. I'm not going to overbuy. All the bags are full. You've all got the same number and I'm done. And I've had many, many mums comment that it has actually helped them stop over shopping. You know, I never imagined that to be an upside, but I've had a lot of mums say that that has been a real blessing in terms of, you know, how to stop that consumer thing that I just buy more buy more buy more one more one more yeah there's a lot of messaging out there you know that almost makes you feel as if whatever you do isn't quite enough really gets your um vulnerabilities as a human you know yeah 
think, yeah, it's good to be aware of that too. I met a woman recently who says that every year for her family's Christmas they have a theme and they do things around that theme. So one year, for example, the theme was tie-dye and all the presents were white clothes. (laughs) And (laughs) then they just spent the afternoon tie-dyeing clothes. So there wasn't a large number of presents, but there was a large amount of fun and activity that fills up the day. It wasn't just a by seven in the morning you've ripped all the paper off and there's nothing to do except look at the piles of rubbish and cry. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, doing things like that is uh, yeah, another way of reducing the consumption while still like having, having more fun and putting more like soul back into the day. Mm. Yeah, someone in my office I think has a like a rule thing that they follow. It's like one book one key clothing item or something and like yeah. a toy or a fun thing I think something to play something to wear something yeah. to read and something that's to the one yeah, yeah um oh there's a there's a rhyme yeah hmm. and it is it's if you follow that it's it's nice and formulaic <laughs> yeah yeah I'm glad you touched on consumption because one of the things I wanted to raise was SDG 12 responsible consumption and production so this is tying exactly into that sustainable development goal And I also want to pick up on something you mentioned, Sarah, which was around children and young people acknowledging or being able to understand the element of environmentalism and sustainability if it's being explained to them. And I think, Helen, this comes back to something you mentioned, the reason why you founded the company was around climate anxiety Mm. and the fact that so many more children and young people are feeling overwhelmed by what is happening to the planet. Mm. 75% of kids and young people are worried about their future because of climate change, which is, it's horrendous. Kids are being taught at school about the environment and climate change, and then we get to Christmas and we're like, oh, well, that's out the window. (laughs) Actually, don't worry about it, (laughs) which is really confusing for kids, I think. In my role at work, I've done a lot of research on sort of like the Gen Z and what it is that, that they're after, and a lot of the the sort of younger generation are really motivated in their purchasing decisions, making purchasing decisions that are in alignment with their values, that a brand that is doing good. The generation below that, they're going to have that element to the max. I mean, it's pretty intense for the younger generations, you know, 20 to even 40-ish or, and, and then, and then, younger than that they have climate change looming and it is a part of the everyday life and it's a totally different perspective to have as a as a person and as someone who purchases it'll be interesting to see how things change over the next few while when it does come to celebrations like christmas and so forth i also think part of that responsible consumption um isn't just environmental but the economic part of it is that by new zealand made it's very, very simple, you know, unless unless it is some amazing project, you know, of some women's collective in Bangladesh or something that that is quite intentional in its in its ethics. By local, in terms of supporting our own economy and supporting people who work in New Zealand and create in New Zealand. And, you know, if we were to just buy Kiwi Made one Christmas and just say no to anything that's imported, that would be a huge boost for our own economy. And, you know, that's another factor, you know, it's, it's got to be environmentally friendly, you know, and socially responsible, but, you know, where is it made and who is actually going to benefit from this purchase? So looking out for Kiwi brands, 
is also another real key part of what ethical consumption involves. Sarah, do you have any comments given that Trade Aid is mainly offshore organisations and enterprises? We do have elements that are local. So our chocolate's made in a local factory in Christchurch. So that's a fact that lots of people don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely merit in the whole, in that element of buying local. I totally support it. And I mean, the whole way in which it is that trade is operating tends to not be, well, there's an element of not a lot of ethics, you know? <laughs> so I think you're going to buy offshore, then definitely try to do your research and find organizations and brands that sit in alignment with your values as a person. Um, there's lots of people who are in desperate need <laughs> across the world. And I think, you know, thinking of that, that is really important. We might have our song then. Yes, it's called um, Society by Eddie Vedder. And it's a great song because it's all about not consuming, but how we have set ourselves up in a race, a race to the bottom, basically, of buying more stuff and then needing bigger houses to put it in. And what would happen if we just didn't do that? Do that. 
society You're a crazy breed Hope you're not lonely Without me and we're thinking about conscious gift giving. We've talked a lot already about the kinds of ways that you might be able to think about what you're buying and being conscious in your consumption and your purchasing. I'd like to think now a wee bit more about giving gifts that are still products or items, tangible things, um, but what other ways could we do it that are both environmentally and socially conscious? I'm thinking here um, homemade gifts, upcycled gifts, these sorts of things. Yeah, can I also say, I mean, it may ruin the surprise, but actually getting what someone wants would be a great step. And the, the amount of gifts, you know, and it's like, thank you, it's thoughtful, but I don't want it, I don't need it. And there's your first step towards waste. So do your research first before you buy a gift or create a gift or, or, of any sort and actually make sure that the person actually wants it. It's sort of step number one, is it wanted and desired? Yeah, I think that that one's had a bit of a bad rap, hasn't it? Takes the magic out of it. And, yeah, yeah, but I think I think we need to change that conversation. And you mm. can still give broad parameters and then, you know, surprise them with, you know, some of yeah, the fine exactly. details. See, so, you, know, you know, on my kids, you know, when they get presents from people that they don't really know and they're kind of like, thanks, <laughs> you know, and then they get home and it's just, it's chucked in the corner and never touched. And not just Christmas, but kids' parties is a big, is a big one. I make it a habit now when my kids go to a party to contact the mum first and say, can you give me some gift ideas of what your kid actually wants so that we can get it right? Whilst it might seem a bit pedantic, I can't see the point of going out and spending money on more junk that they don't even want. So just from a party point of view, ask first and, and get some good advice from the parents as to what those kids want. That's one way of just targeting it, you know, that can sort of help the excess of stuff that just ends up in landfill mm. yeah totally Emma I noted on the website of Wastes Free Celebrations that you also have employed a group of Afghani women in Auckland to do some of your sewing and um, also with Sarah and, and possibly with EcoSplat as well the the kind of the social element to all your organisations and the fact that very often environmentally conscious organisations have a really strong social conscious or, or ethical dimension as well. 
I'd be keen to hear about the the projects that you're supporting. Yeah, so just to give context, I was an aid worker in Afghanistan um, for three years. So that was back in 2004, 5, 6. So I was very connected to the Afghan community and then you know worked for various aid agencies after that. When I started this and needed more women sewing, one thing led to another and they're all these Afghan women um, who have a lot of barriers to entering the workforce because they don't speak English, may have children at home, um, they don't know how to use a computer, some of them are not overly literate. And so, you know, for them to go out and get a job was going to be, you know, really, really difficult. But a lot of them are fantastic craftswomen and sewing is something that they can do. So we were very lucky to be sponsored by a few different companies who paid for industrial sewing machines and overlockers to be put into their homes so that they could sew at home. We sort of started that last year, but we were in Wanaka and they were in Auckland and was sort of freighting fabric up and down. And that was just, oh, it was a disaster, not to mention very expensive. But now that we've moved back to Auckland, I've got 10 Afghans, former refugees, who are sewing for me. One of them, like Tarana last year, she was sewing here in Auckland and then she drove into our new premises here this year in her car and she got out and she tapped her car and she said, this is what I bought last year with the money I earned sewing for you. She said, now I can drive all of my family around and, you know, off to university and tech and English classes. And and then this year, she's actually opened her own little sewing business in Royal Oak. And so we sort of lent her some money to help secure the, the premises to, um, to get her going. And um, she's got the machines and they're, you know, sort of watching her fly has been really amazing. She's in there with her mum and her sisters sewing, designing women's clothing. And that has been really awesome to sort of see that well, that it worked. The whole thing, if you give a fish or if, you know, teach them to fish, um, you know, which one is going to be more sustainable in the long run. And that's been really incredible. A lot of my ladies who are sewing for me now are actually sending their income back to Afghanistan because of the, the fall over there and the incredibly dire economic situation over there. So at least now they've got some disposable income to help their families. We've had quite a few different companies come and ask us, you know, can my lady sew for them when they're not sewing for me? So we're working on a few different projects now that will have them sewing year round because mine's very up and down in terms of production. It's been a, a really rewarding little project that's got a much bigger life than just sewing Christmas items. Really lovely. There's quite a nice linkage there as well with Muslim sewing Christmas gift yeah. bags as well. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, which is the New Settlers Family and Community Trust that we partnered with, one of their core pillars is Interfaith Harmony. And that has been really fantastic that these Muslim women are like, oh, we love Christmas. We love the lights. And just watching them sort of enjoy Christmas as new Kiwis, you know, they're not obviously not signing up to any of the theology behind it, but as a celebration, they're like, Merry Christmas, you know, and we and we join in and we're like Eid Mubarak to them. And, you know, everyone just sort of respects each other and joins in on each other's celebrations. And that's been really valuable as well. 
there's obviously two elements with trade aid, the development space and operating under fair trade principles and fair trade values and all of the um, elements that happen there globally. Um, and then there's the educational piece as well here in New Zealand. So we're obviously trying to um, educate New Zealanders and New Zealand consumers about making better purchasing decisions. For us, we're really active in that space and we really um, work towards building that level of understanding around those fair trade principles so that New Zealanders are moving towards, you know, businesses and brands um, like yourselves, um, Helen and Emma, you know, that's a big part of what it is that we do and as a as a business, you know, like we spent a lot of energy and time working towards getting that modern slavery legislation here because New Zealand doesn't currently have a modern slavery legislation. You know, um, when I worked for World Vision back in 2006, six, seven, yeah. I was working on that legislation. That is how long yeah. it's been sitting there just dragging yeah. heels in terms yeah. of why is it so hard to yeah. make modern slavery illegal and here it is what 2022 and you're still working on it yeah but we've had some quite good headway actually so cross fingers you know even educating around the fact that we there's I think 50 million people in modern slavery at the moment which is the highest amount the world's ever had I believe um and getting people to understand that when they're making that purchasing decision, they've got that product there. Have they thought about, you know, where it is that it comes from or is the brand that they're buying from giving transparent information about their products and all that. So yeah, equipping New Zealanders with some of those skills. Mm. Big job. (laughs) Yeah. We take a really big picture approach to social issues, which is that, Climate change has mainly been caused by rich people in rich countries, but the effects of climate change are from poorer people um, in developing countries. And if we want to have an impact, uh, reduce the effects of climate change, then that will reduce the effects on people whose houses are being flooded and forests cut down and um, all of those environmental things that come from that and come from climate change. So if we can um, encourage kids to love the environment and grow up to be people who want to take action on climate change and the environment, then that will have a flow-on effect to hopefully improving the lives of other people. Education is just so key, isn't it, to to all of us? And, And not least those sort of massive fundamental shifts like trying to change consumer culture. A yeah, that's big, pretty big beast. You know, it's sort of like I guess a little bit of a um a sidestep, but something that came up before, um, Emma, I think it was you talking about trends. Something that I've noticed that I find just gives me the heebie-jeebies, basically, is there seems to be a really big trend towards like people creating birthdays and celebrations like for their kids where you know pretty much everything has a single use element and it seems as if it's like this um I don't know this is just me you know sort of spitballing an idea here but um it kind of hooks into this sort of Instagram worthy trend thing so like people are posting you know these really sort of perfect birthday party pictures on Instagram and and sharing it 
yeah. it's all got to be on the color palette that's in right now oh, and you know yeah. so even if it was reusable then it wouldn't because it's the you know trendy yeah. colors go in and out and oh I know and they've got the confetti and the the balloons and the the yeah. just the, it's, it's I just think it's I know I look at those carefully curated Instagram pictures and I don't I, I actually just don't like them at all I'm like you're yeah. not doing a great job <laughs> no, <it laughs> looks pretty yeah. and that's it that's that's all you've done you've created yeah. something pretty but worries me you know the impact of that that sort of trend and like what that means you know it's almost like the bar just gets sitting higher and higher and higher for what mm-hmm. it is that you have to show or um, give off or, or be perceived as that they're actually just driving you to buy more stuff mm-hmm. Trends are going faster and faster as well, which mm-hmm. means they're impossible to keep up with. And also, I think, creating a lot of uh, anxiety because you've got continual fear of missing out, continually being shown that yeah. you're not, your life is not as good, your presence are not as good, nothing is as good as what is online. And then that has changed in like a week's time. My daughter's gone through four ideal shoe brands in the last six months. Like, can you buy me this one? I'm like, and then two weeks later, she's like, oh, can you buy me this one? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not buying you any of those trendy shoe brands because you don't you don't want them. Like, you don't need them. And two weeks later, you'll be onto something else. Yeah. Emma's right. You know, we need to step outside of the trend and into something with more substance. I feel like there is a trend, though, that is around sustainability and conscious consumerism. And I feel like... That is a trend, but you guys are much more involved in this space than I am. Do you do you get that sense as well? Hopefully we could say it's like a systemic change and not a trend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or am true. I just like playing with words? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that sounds greater, doesn't it? Birds of a feather flock together. So people who are environmentally minded would often know other people who are And so then it can give you an inflated sense of how systemic your change actually is, as opposed to sort of stepping back and sort of saying, well, as a percentage, how big is is this particular movement? And unfortunately, I don't think it's big enough. Um, I do think it's growing. I do think people are more conscious of it. But I'm very aware that people like me who are my friends will be making often the same kind of decisions but we do have a lot of work to go to make it across more of society. Mm, that's called group bias. Mm. Yes, the group bias, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we just need to look at the toy industry as a whole and you can see that it's not it's not sustainable. Mm. I mean, that's the thing is we can't carry on like this, so there's gonna it's going to end. So it's kind of like, do we want to make the choice to change or do we want to, like, explode (laughs) in a toy apocalypse (laughs) that's not very cheery to say is it (laughs) (laughs) we have to choose something different while keeping the things that we really like not keeping the things that we think we should do that seems like a great place for our way out and then we're going to come back and think about um, gifts that might not uh, be things and also kind of wrap up this quarter
And we're talking about conscious gift giving with Emma Cunningham from Waste Free Celebrations, Sarah Kelleher from Trade Aid, and Helen Townsend from Ego Splat. Just to wrap up in our final segment now, I'd like to think about gift giving that doesn't involve actual objects or items, 
we've spoken a lot about how we can try and reframe or rethink about the things that we give. But there's a, a lot of gift giving that doesn't actually involve giving of things at all. Um, so if we can just chat about that a wee bit and then, and then, and then we'll wrap up our quarter for today. Open up to anyone who would like to kick it off. Yep, this year I've got my husband this big voucher for massages um, at the local massage place because he's always got sore back, he's a builder. No actual gift involved, something that he loves. Yeah, what can I say? We're over stuff, over things. You know, there's many, many experiences and things that you can get and do <laughs> that don't involve buying tangible actual products. And a lot of those experiences have that benefit you were talking about earlier, Emma, of supporting local as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got a small house. We just can't take more stuff <laughs> as well. You know, as you say, you've got the more stuff you have, the more storage you need. And, you know, what if we just got rid of it all and didn't have the clutter? A 10 massage voucher pack. And um, I think he's going to love it. Earlier on, Emma, you were talking about love languages. I'm pretty sure another one is quality time. Yes, you know, time poor society and maybe where we just purchase things like as a gift, actually giving your time, like going out for dinner together, um, going to a cafe, doing a, you know, a rock climbing experience or something like that is actually a really beautiful way to like nurture relationships, yeah. put aside that time, which is really special. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, I'm actually not very good at I'm terrible at gift giving and gift giving is definitely not my love language it's probably the least so I'm not bothered about receiving them and I'm not terrible at giving them <laughs> but I have uh, friends and family who it is their love language and so this is quite stressful <laughs> yeah but, but I think it comes down to what I said before about knowing who you're buying for and finding out what they really want mm, for someone yeah. for whom gifts is not a love language well then yeah, taking them out for a meal or something may be exactly what they want. So know the person that you're buying for and, you know, show some thought by actually getting what they want. And it might not be an actual present. Mm, mm. For people's birthdays, I tend to just make them a cake. I find it easy and it's nice. <laughs> it shows um, you've taken some time as well to produce something for them. Yeah, and I post them to people if they're not in the same place. That's a cool idea. Rather than experiences and spending time with people, how about the kinds of gifts that are around sponsoring children or sponsoring endangered animals, acreages of rainforest, these sorts of things as well? I uh, give people trees from trees that count quite often. Yeah, Oxfam's World Vision, you know, give a goat or for someone who you just don't know what to get them, who, as you say, you know, for whom presents and gifts are just not their love language and they really don't care and nor do they need anything, then, yeah, giving um, a sponsorship of some sort, whether it be environmental or social, um, is a fantastic way. A few years ago in our family, you know, big extended family with all my brothers and sisters and all their kids, there were so many presents we just stopped and that now we draw one name out of the hat and we buy a present for that one person and then the money that you've saved by not having to buy everybody else presents, you can sort of choose an amount and it goes into a fund and we sort of choose each year who's going, you know, which organisation's going to receive it. There's many, many ways to make it work for your family. 
but you know even if you just had a place under the tree where donations go you know and they become gifts themselves and you open them on Christmas morning and you choose you know an organization that's going to get them but it is still part of the Christmas tradition. That's exactly what I was thinking as we were talking was that's almost making new Christmas traditions isn't it and Mm. and much as we might like to hold on to the traditions that are traditional Christmas and celebration and life is all about rolling with the times to some degree and and building new traditions at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, and I think there's a nice element of teaching kids as well that it's not just about receiving gifts, it's also about giving. I quite like the concept of, you know, getting kids to make gifts and things like that um, so that Christmas isn't just about getting heaps of stuff. So whether that you have some sort of tradition around that donation element or creating things for other people or giving something to other children, I think is a nice element to have in your Christmas tradition. And as we wrap up, what would you all like to see happen? (laughs) (laughs) Big question. Uh, Are we talking big picture or um, this year? (laughs) Yeah. I think we know what we'd all like to happen, but <laughs> that we're sitting here thinking about imagine if there was no rubbish and imagine if everyone could do Christmas in their financial budget without pressure from society mm. to do more. I, I imagine yeah. that's, that's, that'd be quite nice. That's quite big, isn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> that's a tough one because it's such a broad, <laughs> broad picture. Yeah. I do love Christmas, I've got to say. Like, I, I, I love spending time with family and I do enjoy getting people gifts. And I don't know, there's just something really nice about it. But also, in the lead up to Christmas, I do get quite I, like I have a level of sort of like this anxiety or something where it's, but it's not about the actual Christmas, it's about purchasing stuff that I feel might not be used or knowing that we're going to create heaps of waste and um, that there's going to be implications of the celebration that maybe aren't super in alignment with my values or what I would hope that Christmas would be. And so for me, I think that let's keep the celebration, let's keep the day, let's keep the values around what it is it offers, but it would be great if it kind of went through a little bit more of a sustainability filter so that when we go to purchase or we go to create the day that we're thinking about it with a sustainability lens, reducing waste, buying more sustainable products, thinking about how it is that we're purchasing, where we're purchasing from. And I think that sort of revamp of the of our celebrations could be a good way forward. Yeah. You know, if I could pick one thing to sort of have an end of, I think to to go back to what we were saying before is trends and the need to buy what's in right now. If there's one thing I'd want to get rid of, I think starting there because it can release you from the financial burden of that, the consumerism behind it, the plastic load behind it, completely ditch that entire mentality. So when you see those lists of, you know, the hottest toys this summer, just move on, scroll on, delete, don't read it, don't pay it any attention, just get rid of the list. It's not helpful. You've come up with some really concrete suggestions, so I'm hoping that any listeners who are wondering about how they might begin 
this journey towards slightly more sustainable and conscious gift giving can actually think about a lot of the, the practical suggestions you've given today. So thank you very much for that. Kia ora. Thank you very much, all of you, for taking the time to come on and share your experiences today. The show's going to air about a month before Christmas. So just as it gets into that pressure to start piling up the Christmas presents. So, yeah, hopefully anyone listening will have a wee bit of a think about what they're doing this Christmas. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Bye. 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 Bye.